This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello everyone before we start the latest episode a message to say paul caddis our captain our two-time league two winner and all-round good guy is raising money for type 1 diabetes research and he's doing this by completing the national three peak challenge that's walking the highest peaks in scotland wales and england ben nevis snowden and Scorfell Pike, and I'm ashamed I didn't know that. I think we can all agree that CADS has contributed a lot to Swindon Town Football Club, both on and off the pitch. He's always willing to help out wherever possible. So I really hope we can assist him by donating whatever we can to help him reach his final target. You can read his story and donate by visiting www.gofundme.com and searching Type 1 Diabetes Research and clicking the link into his page. Thank you for listening. Good luck to Cads, and here come those drag me down drums. It's Swindon Town. It's Friday and we're back again. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Despite last weekend's uh, cup exit... Uh, it, it, it hasn't hit me hard at all. What about you? Yeah, I must say, I forgot about it pretty much as soon as it happened. I was I was out for a walk um, during the game, having just watched uh, you know, Tom Broadbent and Matt Smith, uh, Matt Smith, Martin Smith, absolutely run Forest Green and still lose. And then um, I just remember looking at my phone after about half an hour, being like, that's the FA Cup done with. And then I just didn't really think about it afterwards. I, I talked about Tom Broadbent last week on the uh, on the Sunday Monday pod and I stand by it defensively 
still, even despite the occasional great tackle, worried me. But going up top, oh, he's going to be a threat at that level. Yeah, I mean, he, he, the first goal was his fault. He gets beaten by um, Connor Wickham for the goal. So I see where you're coming from. But I don't... What's, why isn't he a striker? He's so good at it. He was <laughs> insane. A, also kind a of thought, nuisance. Martin Smith ran the game. I thought there was a distinct lack of uh, appreciation for his performance on Swindon Twitter, personally. So I thought I would highlight it now. He started really okay with Swindon, didn't he, Martin Smith? And then it just drifted. That's my memory of him. At town, it was the change of manager too, wasn't it? That that killed him off. Yeah, I think I think he had he started well and then drifted out. Had a brief renaissance when Wellens came in and then fell off the face of the earth. And when I was looking up his Wikipedia page to check, it was definitely him um, last Saturday. I think um, I think it looked like he did very similar at Salford the following season. So that just seems to be something that he does at this point. Yeah, it was good to see them, and then the Swindon do what Swindon tends to do in the 21st century and that is lose comprehensively in the cup but like I said didn't hurt was no, not outraged but I was soothed by the fact that Scott Lindsay was also kind of annoyed by it too yeah it was sort of like what the hell are we doing kind of thing but that's fairly normal for the FA Cup and as you say Scott Lindsay straight afterwards looked he looked he was sort of had the body language of after Gillingham but just sort of with an absolutely furious scowl on him. He was sort of every answer for gritted teeth. Uh, he was in slightly better spirits today, which is which is a good sign. Although he did yeah. once again have to go and tell off those naughty children on the Rhine in Germany once again uh, before we started. <laughs> but yeah, he was you know, he was still um, not best pleased by the fact that we lost four 0 which is probably fair enough. Yeah, in the press, the first. The first question that we'll cover, it's not in the order that the press conference questions were asked, but we'll start with the Stockport game. What was his final say? Because I think there was a little bit of regret with what he said about the players post-Stockport, but I still think he was right. Yeah, he said, I think I found it quite interesting. He said he, he watched the game back and was just trying to understand what happened. So in, in the first go around, he was just sort of, it was it was all motions and lights in front of him. He had no idea what was going on. Which you know, I, I think he hasn't been swin- around Swindon long enough to know that this is pretty much part of the course. But um, yeah, he was he watched the game back, tried to understand it, and then sort of went through it with the players. It's like what was all I, I assume highlighted the entire ninety minutes with the words "What was all of this?" written in front of it as their sort of uh, match analysis section, and then. Um, and then they were like, yeah, we just, we, we just don't want to do that again. That that would work for us, pretty much. And then, you know, moving on, hopefully. Um, hopefully we will see a very different performance, much more like Mansfield this weekend against Tramnit. That would be lovely. The big retraction was, I think, the suggestion that they believed their hype. And I, I, I liked that statement. You know, it is a time where, you know, after a brilliant, brilliant win against Mansfield, you've got maybe a little bit of a swagger and then thud down to earth we go but I think he was he was a little bit more lenient on his players since reviewing the game yeah he definitely didn't say that again I find that particularly interesting because I think going into Mansfield he said that he was trying to get his players to believe they were as good as they were and then they're going to Stockport and he says after that too big for themselves they they've you know they're believing their own hype which supposedly he was telling them throughout the entire week beforehand so that was I quite enjoyed that not necessarily a contradiction, but that is <laughs> maybe his man management techniques had gone a bit too far. But yeah, he he didn't say that one again today. It was um 
Yeah, he, he felt like because this because Swindon are, he, he compared it to like clockwork, where Swindon, you know, it's quite a fairly intricate system playing out from the back and all that stuff. And when you're off it in one area, which he felt that Stockport blocked them up and made it difficult for them to play out, and that sort of threw them off it. And because that one thing went, the whole thing went uh, pretty skew whiff afterwards. So, uh, I think that was his main diagnosis of the game. So hopefully opposition, other oppositions aren't listening to this and don't hear that that's pretty much what you've got to do. <laughs> Sick of you remembering quotes from previous conversations. Lindsay's going to fall out with you if you keep on. Well, he keeps remembering things that I've said and then <laughs> parroting the same thing. I think he he, talk, he had basically verbatim said my cut record thing from last week yeah. during this press conference. And you can't put your head up and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> Again! <laughs> we we were going to talk about it last week but we didn't for some reason because it was on my running order um for the post game pod and that was the absence of gladwin we know that he needed a bit of a rest um but his absence was very much felt wasn't it It, it'll be good to see him back yeah he wasn't the only one missing of course he said obviously flazerbreak chasey who is back and tom clayton who is not uh were also big misses for swindon but he was saying that you know, Gladwin is, is 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 such a big part of the way Swindon have played. He's had, I think we've all been saying for quite a while now, he's having just such an exceptional season, and to be without him was a big blow. So um, he hundred percent didn't regret leaving Gladwin out. I think, and I would hundred percent agree that you know giving him the rest and keeping him ready for the league season is probably more important than giving him you know a week or, a week or two off. For the Stockport game, you know that that makes a lot a lot of sense to do that. So he he stuck by the choice, but he definitely felt that not having him there was was a big for Swindon. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So you, you've sort of highlighted those who are missing on injuries. Where where are we of injuries? So there are there are players that we know about. We'll get to their progress in just a moment. But there was one quite significant moment. Although he's not played for Swindon, Connor Brand going down in the in the warm down. Uh, sound really serious. We've got we've got a time frame of his return. It's not as bad as I feared, but still, it's out for a little while. Yeah, it's it's re- it's well. I don't know what you feared, but eight to ten weeks feels pretty significant to me. I was talking about it beforehand with Andrew Hawes because I'd been at a game on Tuesday where there was quite a bad injury as well. Uh, no bath. Yes, the Alex Fletcher one. Um, which you know, uh, hope hope he best wishes to him. Hope he recovers quickly, but. He was talking about being being on the touchline, not really looking, but just sort of hearing Connor Bland falling and and the melee around him of various Swindon people who were trying to trying to get him uh, get him up again. But yeah, Lindsay said he slipped awkwardly, um, and his knee felt really bad. So they had a scan of it, and his knee is dislocated and there's possible ligament damage as well. So that's eight to ten weeks um, for him on the sideline without having played a minute of football for Swindon yet which means after um after that that period where we thought we were going to get in a free agent backup goalkeeper a few months ago we are now going to get one they're working hard to get one in for midday by the time you listen to this midday today but midday tomorrow as we record um it was quite funny listening to him talk about it because if I'm the one walking through the door as that new goalkeeper I'd feel a bit disrespected already because he said there's not a lot of quality he sounded re- real disdain for the, um, for the potential goalkeepers who might come in, which eventually as we were waiting for Johnny Williams later on, I, think I jokingly suggested Lee Camp and that brought a long conversation about 
the fact the 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 significant seven goalkeepers we had um, from that twenty twenty one season. Um, we're just lo- looking them up just to pass a bit of time, but yeah, the op and um, the options do not sound particularly positive for Swindon, especially as the last time they looked at him, they thought we'll stick with Connor Brand. So. <laughs> come home Lee Camp. So I think in my opinion to use the emergency loan market you've got to play them and that's no good for us because Bryn is absolutely our number one. Um he also said in in this question that he he wouldn't hesitate to use one of the youths. There's nothing funnier than these press conferences when Scott Lindsay is desperately trying not to give away his squad. It's very, very funny. Even in sub-goalkeeper mode, he, he didn't want to give away the name of the youth goalkeeper. And I imagine that's Copland, um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I think, personally, you might disagree, Joe. Just stick with Bryn, put a youth keeper on the bench. And if anything goes wrong in the game, a youth player gets a moment in the sun and then go into the emergency loan market. Uh, I, I, I if, if he's not keen on what's out there, why bother? You know, it. it Stick with Bryn, have a youth player on there, and if we have to, if we have to escalate beyond that, and so be it. Yeah, I, I would go along with that. To be honest, if the the free agent options are so repulsive, then you may as well just stick a, a random kid on there. Connor Brand was essentially that anyway. He was the level where they didn't even want to play him in in the trophy. So it's not like they thought of Brand as like a competitive number two goalkeeper anyway. So. You know, the, the the youth guy would be fulfilling the same role as, as they were. They get a nice bit of experience of being on the bench. Um, if they're young enough, we potentially sell them for a tr- nice tribunal to a Premier League academy. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that is fairly sensible. If they really don't think any of the people who are uh, unattached right now are any good. One of which is Manny Idem, by the way. Yeah, and whoever does arrive, whether it's Manny Idem, Lee Camp, or any one of the many, many goalkeepers that we can't think of because they haven't played for Swindon before, welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to say to our new and overlords, we welcome you. We welcome you. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the help. Um, We rate you, even if your new boss might not. (laughs) Um, uh, We'll move along from Connor Brand talk and we'll we'll go back to the usuals. So um, in terms of the usuals, they are, of course, Angus McDonald, uh, Rashan, Hepburn Murphy and Tom Clayton. But we have FBT back. Isn't that right? Yes, Fraser Blake Tracy is back. Um, Yeah, he... It wasn't so much about his conditioning. I think we all expected him to be fine after his eye had cleared up with the week off. He obviously wasn't allowed to play last weekend anyway. Uh, Burton didn't want him, and they will now be playing Chippenham, of course. So um, I, it's not particularly relevant to his own situation, but it is happening. Um, and it, it was more about whether or not he could potentially play at centre-back, uh, because obviously we're now a little bit short there with um, Clayton and McDonald both out. And obviously it would be Terrible if we had to play Keir Harry's at any point. God, God forbid. But, um, you know, they, they, that was more of the discussion other than just the pure fact that he is back. Yeah, yeah. I, I used the term cup-tied incorrectly last week in regards to FBT. Apologies for that. He wasn't cup-tied. He just wasn't allowed to play. Whoops on, on that front. Progress in relation to those who are in the 
they're out at the moment injured. How are we doing? Are, are any ahead of schedule or any behind? What's going on? Yeah, it sounds like Hector Murphy's a little bit behind where they might have hoped he would be. So that will be slightly longer. He might get Christmas at this point. Uh, McDonald's slightly further ahead. He was he was around today in the building with his dog, which which I assume cheered everyone up. Um, he's he's slightly ahead. Um, but he was just sort of wandering around with his dog, which which is fair enough. And then yeah, but he's I think the suggestion is he might be back within the next few weeks. So he's ahead of where they thought he would be, and he and Tom Clayton might be coming back at quite a similar time. That's nice. That's good. That's reassuring. Okay, so. Before we get into more Tramia talk, let's have a little preliminary discussion about Johnny Williams. It's going to be a whole section because he is the the player guest and rightly so. So Johnny Williams has been called up by the Wales national team for the World Cup. Fantastic news. Congratulations to him and well done all involved. Without going into the, the real nitty gritty just yet, Joe, because we've got a whole section on this. What did Scott Lindsay say about Johnny Williams? It was it was a fun answer. Scott Lindsay, you know, we, we know he doesn't want to give away anything too much, which is most managers' prerogative in this position. He was walking the line between saying, good, good luck, Johnny Williams, and saying, we're going to miss you. Um, you know, it, my question touched on this later on as well, but he was, you know, obviously Johnny Williams has been absolutely spectacular so far this season, and he was just talking about um, how he was uh, potentially, it was how we might find it slightly tough to cope without him, but obviously they have the squad and they'll get on with it. It was, it was just one of those things where like, <laughs> I just don't want him to leave. It's really screwing everything up that he's not going to be here. <laughs> we could only lose Williams for like one or two games, couldn't we, if if they don't have a good time out there? I think it's a little bit different for teams like Swindon, isn't it, where we do want to protect the player. We, we have interests in winning games while they're available. And I think what Swindon have done very well in the last couple of weeks is they have only just given him an hour, haven't they? And they've taken him off, um, whether we're tonking Mansfield or done at Stockport we've we've decided to not risk him any further and I think I think they might bench him and bring him on for the last 20 if needed for this one but what do I know yeah um it was I don't think this aforementioned Spurred coach would would ever be asked are you gonna play him though I mean is that fair no if it was about Harry Kane for example um (laughs) whereas whereas the question very much from to Johnny Williams and from Andrew Horst to Scott Lindsay was like, are you going to just give him the weekend off to make sure he gets there? Because I, 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 I don't imagine he has asked this, but if I was Johnny Williams, there is no way I would be playing on Saturday. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. I would I would be like, um, please, please don't play me. I'll sit on the bench, but I'm not playing. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going to this World Cup, and if someone from Tranmere takes me out of that, that would be absolutely mortifying. I would not play. Although we've been got by Scott Lindsay's poker face a couple of times trying to anticipate what he's going to do. This one did feel a little bit like, we'll see, we'll see. Kind of given that implication that this might be a game where we might rest him. Yeah, I think there, there was a sort of underlying thing where he, he, he has certainly considered it. It's in the mix that he'll just give, he'll give Johnny Williams the, the, the time off to to make sure he gets there. You know, we can't be the ones to ruin this for him in many ways. Even, you know, Williams himself will go on to credit the Swindon star for playing their role in his own fitness this season and last year. But, you know, they they know how much, the, how big this is and they don't, 
even Scott Lindsay, when he's got a game to win, is thinking, you know, we don't want anything silly to happen and that knocks him out. Because also, Swindon get a pretty huge payday from this as well. Last week, it was like nine grand all in, but it is nine grand a day, isn't it? It is nine grand a day. I think, Johnny, I think this will be in the ad for today. Potentially between Wallacott and Williams, we could be looking at about 400 grand, depending on how long, how far they go in the tournament. If they go quite far, it'd be even more. He's Joe Wallacott now, I've noticed, across the board. He'll always be our Jojo, won't he, eh? Yeah, he's definitely Jojo. If you if you drill in deep enough to this episode, there will be some Tramia Rovers chat, and that is now. So what do we know about Tramia Rovers? Managed by Mickey Mellon. They sit in 10th position after a lousy start. They were up there amongst some of the favourites, if I recall rightly, rightly, in the summer. Bit of a rejuvenation in late September to mid-October. But since then, they've had a bit of a wobble. Their optimistic fans will say they're one loss in nine, but their pessimistic fans will say no wins in the last four. That's relatable, isn't it? That's That sort of argument. Um, in terms of players... They've, they've been rotating quite heavily, but the ones that have been playing the most, Ethan Bristow, uh, Josh Dakers-Cogley, Ross Doohan, uh, Kane Hemmings, who's joint top scorer with four goals. And then you've got players like Jordan Turnbull, Leo Connor, Chris Merry. So reasonable experience uh, mixed with inexperience here, but it's, it's not gone fully to plan for them. And they will be really looking to bounce back after three draws and a loss in the last four games. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Mickey Mellon. Maybe he's big in the LMA or something, but I feel like every Swindon manager who's ever talked about him says they have like a good relationship with the guy. I definitely remember Flickcroft talking about it when we signed Ollie Banks that like he was really good mates with Mickey Mellon. Scott Lindsay said something fairly similar today. I don't know. Maybe he's just a great guy. I mean, I'm not putting it past him, but he just seems to be big in the manager's scene. But yeah, the main takeaway from Tranmere is a bit like um, Mansfield, who we played was in the previous league game, where they'd been shifting formations a little bit. Uh, Tranmere shift switched formations at half time in their game this week from a three five two into a four four two and then proceeded to play a lot better. So it sounds like their Mellon is looking is looking for a bit of a winning formula at the moment by changing everything and anything. So, you know, Scott Lindsay's saying he had to he was essentially put plans in place for all the formations they've seen them play just in case they try and pull a pull something on them and, and switch out away from when they've normally been setting up. Yeah, it's not a banana skin game because, you know, they're 10th and if they beat us, they're, they're right up alongside us in, in the playoff mix. I do think, though, if we're not on our game, they could kind of threaten us. Not the saying that I think Swindon will sort of let Tramier in, but I think there's definite room for caution for this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tramier have shown it at times this season that they are quite a good team they were they were good last year as well and seemed to build on it a little bit this year but you know they are in a, a tough patch but as we've heard from Scott Lindsay at various different times uh, he hates playing teams who have any sort of form whatsoever good or bad so the fact that it's not great form he definitely hates that as well and uh, we're back at home it's nice it feels like ages since we last played at home what, what was the last game can't even remember. It probably wasn't even that long ago. God, is it Hartlepool? The last. It was game, Hartlepool. Yeah, it was a. <laughs> it was it was three points, but not the most convincing three points. And then, like Swindon do in modern times, going buckle the swashes away from home, don't they? But yeah, it feels like ages. Cannot wait 
for match day. I'm really, really looking forward to it, regardless of how it goes. Um, how important is being back at home to Scotland after two or three quite long journeys? Yeah, he's, he, I think you'd be very happy to be back at home and talk about those because I think we heard a lot in the Bradford Mansfield week about their um, their travel schedule. It didn't sound like particularly fun, but, but you know, they finally got a home game. He's excited to see the crowd again. You know, listen to people saying forward and fit, fit Wilter accents. Mm. That'll be lovely. Um, yes. he's, he's just very much looking forward to being back at home in his own chair that they got from a BMW garage. Oh, yes, please. Um, in terms of like the comparisons, I did the 17 game comparison in a recent episode and we're very, very similar in terms of form that we were under Ben Garner at this point. I think Ben Garner was two points ahead and a little bit further up the table. But the thing that sort of supported Ben Garner in terms of the mood is our cup form was much better. How, how important is this game to Scott Lindsay? Well, I mean, I think you start a bit like Jacob Wakeling last week. He started the answer. It was quite interesting to talk about, you know, how this game became quite big, especially after last week. And then he essentially went into the ne- next game's the biggest, most biggest, most important game we'll play all season. And that will be the same case the week after kind of thing. Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed his um his numbers analysis of the number of wins to get where we were last season. I was slightly intrigued that he said he might need more points to get into the playoffs because I believe last year was quite a high points total anyway to mm. for playoffs teams. But uh, I, I guess you have to factor that part in when you're thinking about it. But uh, he said 14 wins from 29-odd games will get us to where we were last season. So um, 15 or 16 wins would do. Yeah, I wouldn't be one win off automatic last last season, <laughs> wouldn't we? So, so yeah. Um, do you think there is some worth in comparing to last season, even though the squads are different, the teams are different across the division? Seeing that we're roughly the same form as last year, it certainly reassures reassures me knowing that if we just carry on under the similar vein of form, that will ultimately be okay. And it, I, I just find it a, a good measuring stick. You know, I don't take it too seriously, but at the same time, if I'm flapping and I'm like, oh, we've lost or anything like that, I look to see where we were last year because this time last season, we have a little bit of a wobble, don't we, after after game 17. So, yeah, it, it kind of reassures me. Do, do you look back? I mean, I'm not talking about look back 20 years ago. We were, you know, that's nonsense. But I think going back a season to see where we are, there's, there's no harm in that. Yeah, definitely. Especially when it's kind of, it's the two seasons of the same regime. It's a bit like, um, this may be a reference people understand or not, but when you're doing like playing in a driving game, you're setting a lap time and they have like the ghost version of your previous lap where you were good. And if you're sort of at the same point, then you're doing quite well. So we're just sort of trying to be as close to that ghost car as possible. And hopefully at one point ahead of it. So it just shows that you are on track to have a good season. Because last season, we're at a similar point. We make the playoffs. And that was even with you know December, January, February time that wasn't too great. So if we're there now and we can kick on in those months, which we feel like we can because of the, because of the better squad, then... Hopefully it's a good sign. The ghost car analogy is so good. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's exactly right. The ghost car analogy. Love it. Love it lots. Shall we listen to your question? Let's do it. You know, after such a tough loss last week, what do you do coming in this week? Do you sort of read the riot act, try and reestablish standards again? Or do you trust that what they've done before will come back to the fore after it? No, we, I mean, we debrief the game really early on in the week. We want to try and draw a line on under that very quickly so we can move on and focus on the next game. 
so it's important that we got that out of the way early part of the week, um, which we did, and we moved on very quickly. You know, come sort of like training um, Monday morning, we we were kind of starting to put things in place. Um, you know, in order for for the team to be prepared for for the next game. Yeah, there's always uh, an element that we're trying to always drive standards all the time. You know, that's kind of a normal thing for a manager uh, to keep driving even after a, a win. You know, you're always driving standards all the time. You know, that's kind of a constant ongoing thing, and I think it will be at probably every football club. Yeah, and then to Johnny again. He, certainly in the Mansfield game, it felt like that system was it suited everyone, but was fairly Johnny centric in terms of where he was playing. Do you feel like you have another player who can play in that role or might you have to switch things up when he's gone? Yeah, I think uh, I think we have got players who can play in that role, definitely. Um, you know, the four-diamond two system is it's a system that I believe is not f- for a long term. I think it's something that can be used and you can get really good results out of it um, for, for various games. I don't think it's a system that I would probably trust in in a long-term um, way because I think even in a in a 90-minute game, I, I don't think it works for 90 minutes. I think it can be a 60-minute formation, then I think you have to flip to a bit of width. And the reason being is no matter how, how well or how poorly the opposition are coached, they'll always find... Um, spaces on the opposite side of the pitch when when playing against a diamond, you know, when we've played against a diamond, you always want to switch play on a diamond because ultimately they're very strong through the middle but not in, in, in the wide areas. Um, so I think that it, it was a formation that certainly worked at Mansfield, didn't at Stockport, um, you know, and, and maybe it's it's a formation that we, we use against certain oppositions. Here we go then. So you asked Scott Lindsay whether he needs to reaffirm standards after the monstrosity at Stockport and the the joy at Mansfield. And, you know, of course he does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not be a bit concerning if he said no, but (laughs) it was kind of, we've been hearing that all season about how um, the atmosphere is great in training. Every Monday, the come over smile on the face, even after a draw and that kind of thing. So it's kind of after you get battered a bit, um, does that change things? Do you have, does he have to go in there and you know make some not some heads roll, but you know r- ruffle a few feathers or something, try and change things around to make sure they don't but b- buy into all that hype that he was feeding them. Um, so yeah, that was that was that was kind of where it comes from. And also, I was just sort of generally a bit short on questions this week because it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week. And, of course, there was a Johnny Williams question at the end there. Um, I don't like the way you, you, you worded it in the blog, life after Johnny Williams. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, that was uh, a slightly crude way of getting in, like, life after love kind of thing. But um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I was. it was just a thought I've been having this week thinking about Johnny going, where, I mean, my favourite player in the squad, not necessarily the best player, obviously, but... The person I like watching, Tyree Shade, I think maybe he could play in that sort of number 10 role. But I don't know that I necessarily see Darcy or Khan or even necessarily Ricky Aguiar as that type of player. So it's just seeing, you know, does he feel like that formation will have to shift a bit? Um, and then obviously the answer kind of gets away from Johnny Williams into 
the, the system itself, where I don't know if this was necessarily covering people who, who quite like the system. It's like, no, I won't do what you want me to do, kind of kind of vibe. But uh, it was an interesting answer, and it wasn't necessarily as Williams-focused as the question was. Yeah. Before we move to Johnny Williams' focus, and there is a little bit of a season talk with Johnny Williams, is there anything else on the Tramia game that we need to cover? I, I mean, there was nothing in the press conference. We were. <laughs> we just don't care about Tramia. Sorry, guys. I don't care about any bloody team in League 2, to be honest with the, the way these go. But, well, Scott, yeah, OK. Scott Lindsay speaks so much about only concentrating on, on ourselves, so... We're following his lead. He doesn't care about Tranmere, so we won't ask him about them. Fair enough. Williams trying to hunt around just outside the box. Goes to right for shot. Magnificent goal from Johnny Williams. Okay then, so Johnny Williams was, of course, the player that they wheeled out of that noisy room to talk to the press. An absolute joy of joys. He knew the other three Swindon players to have represented their nation's at the World Cup as a Swindon Town player. Yeah, he's done quite a lot of interviews over the past few weeks and was even doing one in the interim between ourselves speaking to Scott Lindsay and then speaking to Johnny Williams uh, today. So he's been a busy boy being asked pretty much every question you can imagine about playing for Wales, playing for Swindon, playing at the World Cup, this sort of thing. So I think it, I think it's come up before is what he said, but he did rattle off the list of McLaughlin, Fluotoff and Luongo and then him being the fourth. So, you know, he's, he's well-versed in the history or just very well-prepared by our own Dave Rixton. Mm, yeah, well, either or, it's good that he remembers. I need him to play a couple of minutes in the World Cup. I don't want a 50% sort of ratio of the four players that have gone to the World Cup. Only two of them have played a game. A lot is said about Johnny Williams in terms of what his role with the Wales national team is. But ultimately, he's still a player. And I think they can still use five substitutes. So whether they're 3-0 up against Iran, they can bring him on for the last couple of minutes. Or if they're 2-0 down against, or 2-0 down against USA, they can bring him on for a couple. So I'm still hoping he gets on the pitch at some point. He's definitely worthy of something. Rob Page has kept around a lot. He's spoken to about having played in some some of the key qualifiers for Wales as well to get them to this tournament. So, you know, he's, he's clearly a viable option. He's, I think form-wise, probably having the best season out of any of Wales' forwards, really. You know, Gareth Bale didn't play too much at LAFC. Dan James isn't having a great season. Brennan Johnson hasn't adapted to the Premier League too well. Kiefer Moore, not, not necessarily a starter all of the time at Bournemouth. So, you know, obviously he's playing at a different level to those guys. But Johnny Williams is, is probably the most banging form forward Wales have got. <laughs> this this was a light-hearted uh, question, but the attempts to get a, a little bit more serious in terms of the human rights element of this World Cup, he wasn't going to entertain it. Yeah, um, I, I think it was more that he wasn't prepared to speak on it yet. It's definitely something he's going to look, look into. I think he's, he mentioned afterwards that the Wales squad uh, will talk about it amongst themselves before they... You know, really get into media mode ahead of that World Cup. So it's more that he's not looked into it as much as he would have wanted to at this point, which is why he didn't want to comment on it. And <laughs> I think um, Andrew felt a little bit of regret having asked the question afterwards because obviously Johnny wasn't necessarily as ready for it as he might have wanted. But we did get a, a lovely quip about him having 
already asked for the sun cream from the physio's room. Wow, yeah. Wheel out the classics. When you're on when you're on <laughs> the sixth of the junket, the sixth question in relation to it, it's time to get the sun cream joke out. That'll please everyone. Yeah, you've got to play the hits. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this, but Johnny Williams is Welsh. Um, despite this podcast occasionally loving to reference the fact that he was born and raised in Kent because it's not possible for someone to identify as a different nationality. So he was was talking about being Welsh and it's something he's felt since he was a young boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he nearly convinced me of this answer that he felt Welsh, to be honest. Um, His Welshness appears to have stemmed from the moment that they called him up as a youth player, which I imagine is where most Welsh people get their Welshness from. But no, it was it was a lovely tale. Obviously, his, his dad is Welsh. Um, supposedly, he rejected an England uh, youth call up at one point when when he was close to making his his Wales debut as well. So uh, he has, if if is to be believed, and I believe he's handsome enough to have had that. Um, you know, he's he's definitely pr- earned his stripes in terms of being Welsh in that way, and obviously has spent a lot of his adult life playing for Wales. So. I mean, he's, had, he's played for various Welsh teams for half of his life at this point. So, you know, he's, he, he certainly feels Welsh now. Um, and, you know, it was it was, it was the lovely story of him being at the... Um, I think he, he knew that he'd been in the squad anyway, but he went home to watch the, um, the, announce, the squad announcement with his parents and his girlfriend. And just very, very happy to be representing Wales, even if he very much isn't born there. If I was to find out that my granddad, Jeff was born Giuseppe Pellini, I would become the most Italian person <laughs> in the world. So it doesn't matter when you identify it, and I'll be waiting for my call-up. I thought that was going in the direction of you were going to try and declare for San Marino. Oh, San Marino, absolutely. I'm San Marinese now. Yeah, just for a little bit. I mean, I'm English, I'm an England fan, you know, I am who I am, but just a little bit of uh, intrigue, and it would be nice, other than, you know, talking about Melksham and Castle Coombe. Um, it's, it's not as interesting, is it? But he, he's Welsh. There's no other way it's about it. I don't know why people struggle with this, but people do, don't they? Yeah, I think people is mostly contrarian. I think there was that thing that, in that, that big Belgian game at Euro 2016, all of the goal scorers were born near Birmingham. Like they were all English, but you know, it's you know, if, if you've played for the Welsh national team and you know you represented that country for so long, I think you would it, you're you're partially Welsh enough to even get in the squad in the first place and you would definitely feel that national spirit a lot more than you would English at that point, I think. Nineteen fifty eight World Cup Wales, what's the Swindon link? Um is I I think Andrew Hall said that the goalkeeper for was it the Welsh team then played for played for Swindon but not at the time. I would say the first the, the one that I'm going with is the head coach Jimmy Murphy played for Swindon. Ah, it so, might have been Ireland. So, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So Norman up Richard, I think you or up Richard, I think you might be thinking of there. Um, but yeah, the 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 head coach of Wales is the great Manchester United coach Jimmy Murphy. Uh, who was, of course, a part of Matt Busby's. He played four times and then World War Two broke out. Who knows what he would have become at Swindon, um, but it wasn't to be. But he played a few times at Swindon. There's your link. How do you feel about that? I'm very pleased to have been given it. Thank you very much. OK, well, we'll go on. So what I found really interesting about this is, in my mind, and I'm sure that is the case, they're not at home going, oh, I wonder if I'm selected. 
you know, because I know other nations have done like videos where they're all at home. I think Brazil did that, didn't yeah. they? Where they're all, I mean, there's no way there's like a, there's a, there's a cutting room floor of people sitting there eagerly and not getting their name read out and just going, oh, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. So the implication here is that Johnny Williams didn't know he was going to be selected. I don't buy it. Yeah, I think for every um, Richarlison wearing his own shirt, seeing the announcement, there's Roberto Firmino in a dentist's office. Uh, being furious about it but I, I think I think I don't know if he says it in this but I think um, Dave said that he did know already but earlier that day he'd been told because they have to get the phone call right that's a big thing that's the the key pranking opportunity for uh um... he's gone he's gone all the way home with his with his girlfriend to be at his parents house imagine driving all that way the petrol cost alone I mean he's you know <laughs> good good thing we're getting this money because we're going to have to keep paying him if he's going to make that journey all the time. Yeah, but in terms of, you know, in all seriousness, in this really, really impressive sort of renaissance in, in Welsh national football, international football, he's made every squad, which regardless of whether he's a vibe coordinator or just a generally really talented and nice guy, it's a great achievement for him. Yeah, I mean, if you can have 26 players, at least some of them can be vibes guys, but... Absolutely, he's you no. Know, he's he's been in. He's, he's spoke about the time when he wasn't in the squad uh, under Ryan Giggs around 2017. But you know, he's, since Rob Page has been in the door, he's he's been in pretty much every squad for several years, regardless of what his form's like. And the fact that he's at League Two, Swindon didn't make a difference in that either. So he's more than earned the spot in the squad through everything he's done beforehand and. It's it's just a pretty exceptional achievement for anyone to get to make a World Cup squad. And in terms of his role in the squad, I find it really fascinating that nobody is is hiding the fact that his influence in the, in the changing room is one of the principal reasons of why he's there, as opposed to no, he's going to be utilised. Of course, he's going to be there with a view to play, and if he if he's needed, he'll he'll play, and he'll probably put in a a good shift. But no one's hiding from the fact that that he's there because he makes people happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like certainly under Gareth Southgate, we're learning a lot about how an international squad works and why they become successful. And the mood in the camp is absolutely huge in that. So having someone who you know through previous tournaments and previous squad selections, you know, he, he helps the squad get along with each other. He keeps everyone happy then they're going to be performing better because he's there. He might not necessarily make that contribution on the pitch, although obviously we hope that he does. Um, if he's doing that in the background, then that's just as pivotal. Do you think anyone else is listening to this now? We've been talking about Wales for like 10, 15 minutes, but let's, just, <laughs> let's try and get it back to Swindon. It can, I, I imagine a part of the negotiation to get him to the county ground last season was like, we will help you get to the World Cup. I think that would have been the big, you know, the big factor behind Johnny Williams risking his his place by dropping down to League Two. Yeah, he, he talks about Ben Garner, obviously his influence knowing them, him from Crystal Palace, but there was there was the huge, huge thanks he really, he gave to the strength and conditioning team and to the physio team and everyone around there to to keep him fit, I think a huge pitch for getting a player like Johnny Williams would have been, we have a staff here that where we know that we're going to be able to keep you fitter than you've ever been. And that's 100% proved to be true. And the fact that he's fit and ready for every game means that he's 
you know, he's he's able to stick around and be in the Wales squad because if he's injured, he's not going. It doesn't matter what league he's playing in. But, you know, he, he talked that Swindon work, work a lot harder on these things than most teams he's ever played for before. And you just see the benefits because he's never played this many games for any team. Yeah. Is he feeling the pressure of the World Cup? Um, I think um, it didn't seem like pressure because he's played at the Euros and things. He was, he was definitely keen to point out that the Wales squad, you know, you've got your Bales and Ramseys that have played at the very top level. So I don't think there's going to be too much um, in that for these players being nervous. They've played two European championships in a row and they've got the other guys around who can help them with that. So he didn't seem particularly nervous to me. Good. Infuriated by his memories of World Cups. Yeah, it was was a very bare cupboard. Um, (laughs) He was... It wasn't willing really to go into anything, is it? I remember Messi not winning a final. I was not. I was a bit sad about that, but he wasn't a kid at the time. Um, he was a pro footballer was, at that point. I was very surprised that he had almost no memories to share. Or maybe he's just talked about it so much with everyone else that he couldn't be bothered to say it again. Now, if we if we listen in to Ellis James's feast of football, you know his answer is watching England get knocked out. Yeah, definitely. I, I think if you speak on any sort of Welsh heavy thing you've you've got to throw in at least a token watching England get eliminated exactly exactly okay so um just to close now um a little bit of Johnny Williams questions based on the current season and it's you know it's hard to ignore that this year his form has been great and he's enjoying himself yeah absolutely he's he's, um he was talking about how he wanted to be given that freedom in his football which is another big thing that's wouldn't have done for him he's Feels really comfortable with Scott Lindsay, and that's helping the bring the best out of him. Really, I think he said um, when when asked about Tranmere that you know he's been at least having su- suspicions of going to the World Cup for a while now, and he's playing some of his best football. Nominated for the manager player of the month, he's scoring goals quite a, quite a quite a quick rate at the moment, which is not necessarily something he was known for before, and he he just feels like he's playing really well at the moment. And that. We can all clearly see that. Yeah. And how's he finally too? And obviously playing against Tramier, maybe. Yeah. I, th- I think, as I said before, if I was him, I wouldn't be playing against Tramier. But he, he seemed to be willing to go along with whatever Scott Lindsay decided. Maybe they've had the chat and he knows that he's not playing. But um, you know, he's he was he said that he's prepared as, as if he was going to play, certainly. OK, well, you asked a couple of questions, you lucky ducky. Shall we listen to him? Yay. Yeah, just, obviously, this season you've become something of a poacher in front of goal. We've scored quite a few this season. World Cups are sort of played in moments, knockout football. Do you feel like that makes you, gives you that extra edge and potentially coming on as a sub because you have that element to your game now? Um, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely been getting in better goal scoring positions. Um, it's something I probably haven't done throughout my career. Um, I've always kind of focused on being a link man as such in midfield, transitioning defence to attack by running with the ball and not really f- fully focusing or being selfish enough in front of goal or around the box to go alone. Um, but this year I've been given that kind of freedom and confidence to to make the box, make things happen. If I shoot and I miss, it doesn't matter, just keep doing it because you will score your fair share. And that's come from the manager really, making sure he's given me like a... A belief in my, in my game again to go to go and you know make things happen and score goals. Yeah. And lastly, you excited for what Michael Sheen might have prepared for you before that first game? 
Um, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, we'll, we'll be seeing Michael Sheen before the first game, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, it, it, was, uh, it was an amazing moment when he came to the camp. Um, a lot of goosebumps in that room, I think, that day. Um, yeah, it's great, a real, real passionate Welshman. Yeah, no, brilliant. Nice one. Please score against anyone but England. <laughs> anyone but England. That's the first time I've ever heard that phrase, but used in our favour. So well done <laughs> in that respect. But no digs towards his use of the Welsh language, Joe, you coward. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say it to his face, but I, uh, I did have to make sure he knew not to score uh, if he got a chance against England. Just kick it wide, please, Johnny. I don't need that sort of men. I don't need that sort of split allegiance in my life. I'm already debating whether to get a Johnny Williams Wales shirt as it is. I don't need to see him ruin my life. Yeah, Um, I thought you were absolutely spot on with with what you were saying about the fact that he's a poacher and World Cups are played in moments. I think it's a really good point. Like he can be, he could be seen as somebody that comes on and and just changes a game. It's, It's weird saying about it because in my mind I'm like he's a League Two footballer. Come on, Rich. But Wales just. They have these moments in these bloody competitions, don't they? So it's it's not out of the question. So him coming on as an impact sub, you never know. Yeah, I mean, World Cup's just about the right person being there at the right time. And we saw, certainly saw against Mansfield, he has suddenly got that habit of just being in the right areas to pick up on rebounds and things. And that's that could become key. So, you know, if he needs to be in that role, we know how much el- how many other things he can do, but... He's also got that to his game. So if Rob Page, you know, let's say in the in the Iran game, let's not say England, but you know, they they need a late goal to get qualification. He looks at his bench and he knows he's got someone who's in good form scoring goals in those types of moments. So I, I think that gives him an extra a reason to come on because I don't think he played a minute at the Euros, but you know, he he's got he's added that to his game since then, and that that could help him. Talking about the. 2022 FIFA World Cup finals and Mansfield is a hell of a juxtaposition. It's it's a great sentence, I must say. I can't imagine there's any other podcast talking about those two things at the same time. I hope not. Okay, well, let's let's get to predictions then. Let's wrap up. So, yeah, I think we're going to be all right. I'm going to go with a two-one win, though. See, that was that was my immediate instinct because we just don't win by more than a goal, do we? Um, I'm going to I'm going to go optimistic and say one-nil. I can't imagine there will be a clean sheet, but why not? Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.